Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and thanks to a cold, my voice is getting deeper and deeper. Still, we struggle on. My Time Capsule is the podcast where I talk to people about the five things from their life that they would like to preserve in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and would like to keep safe, but they also pick one thing that they'd like to forget about, something they'd like to bury in the ground and never have to think about again. My guest in this episode is the comedian, actor, writer and podcast host, yes, all those things, Jessica Fosterkue. Jess was nominated for the Dave Edinburgh Comedy Award Best Show for her show Hench in 2019, which has since had a sold-out international tour. She's appeared on Live of the Apollo, QI and Harry Hill's Club Night. As an actor, she starred in the feature films Greed and Official Secrets. She was in Dawn French's The Trouble with Maggie Cole, Sharon Hawke Motherland, and Jess is in Series 5 of Cuckoo on the BBC and Netflix. Jess hosts her own podcast, Hoovering, all about eating, which in less than a year has racked up nearly half a million downloads. And Jess is a regular co-host of the huge podcast, The Guilty Feminist. She's been the regular host for several years now of BBC Radio 4 Extra's Comedy Club. And this year, Jess is taking her new show, Wench. Yeah, she's done Hench. She's now doing Wench. So I should imagine her 2023 show will be called Bench or maybe Stench. Anyway, she's taking Wench to the Edinburgh Fringe in August and will then be touring the country with the show until the middle of November. So book your tickets now. Actually, book them after you've listened to Jess in this episode of My Time Capsule. Best not to do two things at once, eh? Especially if you're a man. Right, here is Jessica Fosticue. Have fun. 
I took my computer with me yesterday to do some work and I left it plugged into the computer rather than the microphone. Right. Idiot. But we both sound gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Quick, let's do an ad. Quick. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a few friends who have absolutely been at the top of the voiceover market for Mm. their almost their entire career. There's a bloke called Jonathan Kidd. Very, very early on, he had Pager, one of those great big mobile phones that everybody said, what you got that for? That he's kept going ever since. Wow. He's got that voice, the voice that goes down there. Careful. I'm going to get pregnant if you keep doing that impression. It's, it's just too sexy. That's what he does. Well done, Jonathan Kidd. What a lovely voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's joyful, isn't it? I had no idea it was a whole... This is so bad. I'd had a voiceover agent for years before I realised some people had that as their whole job. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought no one could be that lucky. I just assumed that it was just something that actors and comedians and presenters occasionally went, get in, about getting one. <laughs> of a year I didn't realise yeah. people got to do that for their whole job no I know sweet easy life from home of course yes absolutely from home yeah. I've had some of my funniest and favourite bits of weird direction when doing voiceovers I had a woman say to me once um, bit more fruit bit less nuts <laughs> I thought that's brilliant and she said once same again bit less Christmassy <laughs> <laughs> generally with me it's we need to take point three of a second off Mike you go okay <laughs> Aren't you lucky? Yeah. But I have had those. I've had um, a little less brown. (laughs) Lovely. I don't know what that meant particularly. Brighten up a bit or? I think so, yeah. It meant don't be quite so luscious. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A little bit too galaxy. Yeah, (laughs) lovely. That's right. And then I had one that that said, (laughs) can you sound a bit more like a black current? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me that you were doing a Ribena advert, please. I was, I was. Yes! (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. Madness. Yeah. But there we are. So we're going to talk about things that you've chosen to put into a time mm. capsule, Jess. I'm going to talk about your name first because I've never, ever come across a foster cue before in my life. Oh, it's an old Saxon name. Boring Right. Old Yordy English name. It just <laughs> means strong sword or strong shield, which isn't oh. apparently as contradictory as it sounds, because apparently in the olden days, a shield would have been as likely used as a weapon as a sword. So I think it means sturdy old boy, it means. Reliable, that's what it means. Yeah, reliable. That's a nice way of putting it, yeah. yeah. Sort of... Somebody who, when you first start an interview with them, will have remembered to plug their headphones <laughs> into the microphone <laughs> rather than the computer. Fenton Stevens is an old Anglo-Saxon for complete arsehole. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. It's good to know. But that's nice. That's I'm going to think of you as a reliable sword and shield. My sword and shield. Yeah. That's a hymn, oh, isn't probably. it? Yes, that's um, and did those feet. <laughs> we don't know. Neither of us know, and I'm not a singer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's see what you've got for me. What have you got to put into a time capsule? So I couldn't remember how many things I was putting in that I wanted to do again or keep. Four you want to keep and one you'd really like to forget about. And I love this. I've loved, I listened to this podcast in preparation for a Radio 4 Extra show called the Radio Podcast Hour, Um, where we were shouting about how brilliant this podcast is. So I listened to lots of it then, and I listened to more before this. And it's so interesting, the things that people put in. And actually, when I was thinking of things, I was like, there's no way of doing this without being quite open and confessional, is there? First thing I didn't even know I had a Wikipedia page. A producer said to me recently, could I just use that for your biog? And I said, I haven't got one. And they went, you have. And I looked on it, and it's terrifying because I give so much away about myself. 
on podcasts <laughs> and in stand-up. It's horribly, it's all accurate. So the first thing I'd like to stick in is, and I'm worried these are all a bit similar, well, they're all on a, on a theme. I love it when you have a feeling that represents something people talk about all the time, but you realise only when you have the thing for the first time do you think, I'd never had that before. I love it when, as an adult, you have a a revelation or Uh. an epiphany or you go, oh, I get it now, what you meant. So in my 20s at one point, I went on holiday to, I think it was Corfu, but like a very much lie around the pool type holiday with Mm. my mum, stepdad and half-sister, my sister, Hattie, who's much younger than me, I was 16 when she was born. I was in my early 20s and I was really heartbroken I was just coming to the end of the real agony of that. So just mm. starting to be able to feel that thaw, feel that all those knots start to unravel a little bit. Where you go, I think after a grief like that, there's a patch of time where you're a bit untouchable because you realise nothing can make you as sad as you've just been. Mm. That while you were that sad, you thought it's never going to end and you're realising this is it ending now which is an amazing feeling. What a time to go on holiday with your family, which is always a sort of tentative thing. You know, there's always politics in any family dynamic. And on this holiday, I think probably for the first time I had a job, you know, I think I probably just started to do things to do with comedy and writing. And it just starts to feel a bit of pressure and stress. And had this holiday where we did very little Everybody got along. I got to spend some amazing time with my sister who's got cerebral palsy, but I remember me and my stepdad being able to, she was still young enough that we could just carry her in and out of this swimming pool on this resort that we were staying. It was just the most wholesome, relaxed week where we did nothing for the whole week. And when I came back for the first time ever, I understood what people meant when they'd said after a break or a holiday, oh, I really unwound. Right. And I'd never, ever re... I'd go, oh, that sounds nice. And I'd never, I don't think I'd ever unwound. It's probably the first, one of the first times I've ever had anything to unwind from. <laughs> but the feeling of realising I'd gone sort of all melty and mushy-brained, but that I was better for it as a person yes. and happier for it, what a revelation. And the very fact that you don't actually remember where the holiday was shows just how relaxed you were. Yeah, I was barely <laughs> looking. Just sort of survival mechanisms in place. Nothing more complex than the sort of shelter, eating, breathing. I can remember my way from my room to the restaurant to the pool. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely it. Yeah. Mm. Face in and out of a book. (laughs) And you'd think after an experience like that, that I'd be much better at going, I need to carve out more time to do that more often. Mm. But then since then, obviously, I've had a kid and it makes it all much more difficult. But at least it's put that kind of rest on a pedestal for me as something I at least know I should be doing, even if I'm not doing enough of. Yes. But those sort of revelations can be all sorts of things, can't they? Not just that, oh, my word, I can relax. I can Mm. actually take it easy and not be overstressed by things. But also realising that suddenly those things aren't as important as you thought they were. Absolutely, yeah. And I think there's a lot of guilt around it, isn't there, around taking time off and you're self-employed. And, and you, you know, you don't want to... It's very hard to say no, mm. full stop, I was going to say to work, but actually full stop. It's just so hard to say no. You've got this fear of missing out. You're worried that you've picked up this... You're worried you're going to lose some kind of momentum that you've imagined in your own mind. You know, it's so bizarre. And the irony is, when you do take time out, the more regularly you do it, I really think, unless you're someone who's very lazy, I don't know many people in our professions who are, 
you come back better at your job. Mm-hmm. I know I come back a better parent as well. I think I just come back a better person if I can <laughs> just switch off occasionally. I do know people who treat our profession in a very different way to the way that most of us do. I know some who, whenever they do a job, they go, well, that's good, I've done a job, that means I can go travelling for a month or so. <gasps> that's an amazing attitude. Yeah. It's a confident one, isn't it? And then the other 99% of us are going, great, I've just done a film. I hope I ever get another film. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll never get another one ever. Yeah. It, it is, as you say, though, that feeling, of, well, I need to cash in on this. I need to mm. make the most of this. I've just done a film, so I need to be around so that all those people who know that I've just done a film will be offering me all sorts of work. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, really. No, and it's also no way, it's just like we were saying, it's, it's kind of no way to live, actually, because you never get any sense of happiness. Satisfaction is a better word than happiness. It's too broad. I remember I started getting better at that with work things. Again, just you've got to enjoy the thing you're doing. If you're constantly going, well, I'll do that, because then hopefully I'll get that. Yeah. Or if you're sort of the work you're doing is in the hope of getting a prize or in the hope of landing the bigger thing. Even if you start a piece of writing, go, well, this is going to be brilliant. Or perfect, you know, you're discovering <laughs> yourself. And I remember having a really funny conversation with, well, awful at the time, but thinking that's exactly what I've been training myself not to do. I remember I had a gig. It was on my birthday. It was the biggest gig I'd ever done. It was at the Royal Albert Hall. It was on my birthday. I did it in the afternoon and then I was absolutely giddy. It couldn't have been more fun. It was a huge mixed bill type thing, like a big fundraisery mm. thing. And I met some of my absolute heroes there. And I remember sort of skipping away to meet just five friends for a drink in a pub afterwards for my birthday, back near where I live. And um, I met one of them on the walk to the pub and said, I've just done the biggest gig of my life. I, I've just done, I've just done a gig at the bloody Royal Albert Hall, mate. <laughs> and um, it's a mum friend. And she said to me, oh, great. Do you think that will lead to anything sort of else, like sort of radio or telly? And I was like, what? Like, and I had to go, no, that was the, th- oh, fuck me. Like, no, that was the thing all the other things led to. Shut up. Like, that was the yeah. end of the line. Oh, my God. You are sort of out loud voicing my worst inner demon there. No. Yeah. What yeah. do you want me to do? Play Wembley Arena? <laughs> yeah. It's a good feeling to have. Oh, now I'm really going through my life and trying to work out. <laughs> When I've ever had that feeling, that feeling yeah. of winding down, because I'm really a terrible holidier. I mean, I'm, I think I'm a good holiday person because I'm the person who says, right, what are we doing next? Yeah. And people say, well, I was going to lie here and read my book. <laughs> oh, what? There's a, but there's a castle. We can go and look at it. We can go for a walk. There's a, there's, a, there's a town we haven't visited. We could go and see that. Yeah. So I absolutely cram my, I need a holiday after holidays. <laughs> Well, I like those holidays too, I think. And you've got the energy for an adventure. I think they're brilliant. You don't want to... Mm. I think there are different places for different types of holiday, aren't there? I think you're, yeah. you're going to go somewhere rich and places to walk around and see and breathe in and taste. Then you're going to waste it if you lie in a corner. Not what my wife says. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm a very good person to go on holiday in groups. Right. Because people say, who wants to go to... I go, yeah, i go. Yeah. I'm Mr. Yes Man. Yeah. If I go just with my wife, she says, well, we'll find somewhere later, shall we? You don't have to go on an expedition now to sort out the restaurant we're going to eat in in three days' time. (laughs) Yeah, that would drive you mad. Yeah. So I think we must take that, and I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to take that wonderful feeling of winding down and put it into your time capsule for you. Thank you. Okay, what's next? Okay, number two. This is a bold one, I think, potentially. I'm sure someone will have said something similar before. I don't know. Uh, But I'd like to pop in there the really wild hours just after giving birth to my son. 
Oh, yeah. No, I don't think they have. Oh, I say it's bold in the sense that all the hours preceding giving birth to him very much would go in the bin. Um, really, um, I had a horrible, and I think that, again, it's probably part of the reasons why those wild hours were so extraordinary mm. was because I had a, a sort of objectively catastrophic time giving birth. I had very mismatched expectations. I went in very cocky, slightly, I would say, misinformed mm-hmm. about the power of the mind and that if you're strong of body and mind, that you'll be able to just breathe the pain away. I really believe the natural birthing, hypnobirthing hype. And I do believe it can be extraordinary for some women, but I also have no excuse because I have met me and I'm not a calm lady. I've never even been able to meditate effectively. I'm busy, busy of head always. It was never going to work for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I went in thinking that and had an awful time. And at one point in summary during the labour screamed, kill me and kill my baby. (laughs) So (laughs) that gives you an idea of how that went. Yeah. Something happened afterwards. As soon as he was out of me, there was this incredible natural chemical rush. I had no drugs at all, no putty for my paracetamols up. My hormones did something to me that was unlike, and I've tried a few, any of the drugs I've ever tried, (laughs) ever. It did something extraordinary that lasted for days and days and days, maybe weeks. And they were the most wild hours. I had a friend who, when she had her daughter, someone gave her a card that in sort of scruffy writing just said, embrace the chaos. And she'd (laughs) passed that on to me. So I had that in mind. And then... For those after hours, I've been really well advised, I think, to just know that it was going to be like you are on another planet Mm. emotionally. It was so intense and so relaxed at the same time. There was nothing else to do other than stare at this tortoise-faced prawn that you've made, (laughs) who's utterly useless, but that you've got this incredible animal connection to, unlike anything ever, ever known and ever possible in any other way, I don't think. It was I just amazing. Mm. Just feelings I didn't know I was capable of, that you'd hope you were capable of. How overwhelmingly vulnerable he was. The ego, the acknowledgement of ego, the going, oh my God, I can see my tiny baby bone structure in this creature that's not me. That's mm. mad. And his dad's, you know, it's bizarre. Yeah. But just awesome. Awesome, unforgettable. Although, ironically, you do then later get, I now know, a load of hormonal and chemical release. Your brain does something which makes you erase those memories so that you'd be prepared to do it again. Oh, God, yes, of course. I again was, thank God, advised to write down every detail of the birth and everything because you will wipe it out. Mm. <laughs> so you think, consider ever doing it again. I haven't yet. Mm. But um, it was out of this world, out of this world. Like being allowed to visit another planet in your mind. Yeah. Do you know, Jess, I love listening to women talk about the birth of their children because it's always different. I've mm. never heard any woman describe it and another person say, yeah, their mind was exactly like that. <laughs> no, no. And in fact, I have quite an experience of it because when I was young yeah. and we had children, small children, my wife was studying at university. So she went to university every day and I was the actor sitting at home with nothing to do. So I went to all the coffee mornings with all the other right. mums. And they sort of forgot that I was there, really. I just sat in the corner and they would talk about 
Did you? Mine was thirty-six hours. Oh no! But then I had yeah. another, you know, seventy-two days after that. Where, I, you know, and it was just extraordinary. <laughs> Everybody tells a different story, and that whole thing of, as you say, that amazing instant animal bond that you have with a, mm. with a baby. You'd also find people who went, oh no, no. No, I looked Didn't at this it. thing. It was an weeks. alien. Yeah. An alien. Loads of that. That's really normal. I think that, I think there's a lot of guilt around that. And mm. I wish well, these days I think people are well, I don't know, I, maybe in closed circles. I, I love it when people are honest about that. Some people take months to form connections with their kids longer. There's nothing wrong with it. That's also a really normal yeah. experience. And I remember even the, when the doctors came around the next day saying normal birth, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they just meant not cesarean, you know, it was the forceps yeah. and vomitus and all sorts. I was like, normal. But um, wow. of course it's normal. And like I say, everybody's story is different. And I think the other thing as well is um, a trauma response is to tell the story. So it's lovely that you're around all those women who are actually just desperate to tell anyone who will listen yeah. this bloody massive thing they've just done. And they would tell me every week, every yeah. single week. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. it's all right. It was a great learning experience for me. Yeah. The other thing that they sort of forgot was that I was a man, which is yeah, yeah, which is quite a, an honour. Did anybody you know, accidentally say how long was yours? Yeah, how long did yours uh, take? Uh, yeah. uh, no, they they <laughs> no. they almost asked me how long my husband's penis was though, because they were, <laughs> they were talking incredible detail about their sexual life with all the other women. <laughs> One. I know. Unbelievably, really impressive. Yeah. Really yeah. impressive. So I then realised <laughs> that clearly my sex life had been discussed. Oh, God. And that I'd better pull my finger out, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Yeah, a wild ride. Everybody always talks about, when it comes to talking about birth, they do talk about the trauma of it. Mm. And it is, you know... I mean, I'm of a generation where, luckily, we're the first, I think probably the first generation of men to have actually witnessed our wives having babies. And it's a great thing to have seen because you never lose the respect for your wife after that. You never, yeah. ever dare say, oh, I can't tell you what I've been through. <laughs> you dare. Well, but I think it's, um, it's going to sound so hyperbolic, but I did want to die during it. I'd had enough. Yeah. And I didn't care if I could do it or couldn't do it. It wasn't about confidence. I'd had enough. No. It hurt too much and it would hurt constantly for too long. And I'd, I was I'd, I'd had enough. My wife nearly gave up as well. She very, I could sense she was giving up. You know, when you love someone that much, you can sense when they're in trouble. She, I could sense that she was on the verge of going, that's it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And, and I was actually shouting at the doctors saying, get that thing out of her. Get it out of yeah. her. Yeah because I was so desperate. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I'm no expert on either the human body or particularly the female body, and I do remember, and this will show you how innocent I was, I do remember being incredibly shocked when my wife gave birth to what I thought was a second baby and turned out to be the placenta. What the hell is that? <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah, I had no idea. Whoa, is it twins? Oh, my God. that one's really ugly. That's got your father's nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really funny. But then all those other things that I hadn't really ever thought about. And why would you as a young man, I suppose, unless you're taught it, yeah. which I would suggest would be a good thing in schools. Yeah. For example, when you say about the hormones rushing around your body, but of mm. course something that has been stretched to an extraordinary degree, yeah. it all has to suddenly go back into shape. Yeah, it's bizarre. Even your pelvis, even your bones, even your skeleton's all different, isn't it? It's amazing. It is absolute metamorphosis. Mm. And then um, goes back-ish 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And I do, I agree. I think it is a fascinating thing to watch. I can't imagine the helplessness. I didn't envy my then partner. I became very unsympathetic towards everybody there. My wife reminds me that at one point I shouted at the doctor, well, just cut her open a bit more. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's really funny. It's really I... fun. Cut a bigger hole. Make the hole bigger. Get your arm in and get it out. Stand back. <laughs> Make room. I'll do it. <laughs> I felt oh, like dear. that. Terrible. Fair play. This could sound so brutal to anybody who's not witnessed to any of this, but that's what it's like. I'm afraid that's what it's like. They need to know. Yeah. My wife described it as trying to crap a pineapple the wrong way round. <laughs> I really like the sound of your wife. I like the same holidays as her. That's a very good analogy. <laughs> Brilliant. What a wonderful thing to have, to have a record of that and to be able to remember it because, yes, you're right, the body yeah. does discard it, doesn't it? It does. And it, and I think uh, I feel very um, privileged to be a stand-up. I did it as part of my last show. We love to be nostalgic about history and take these snapshots of things and put them in a sort of museum in our mind. And I thought, actually, very lucky to be a stand-up who talks about her own life in such gory detail because... In a way, if the stand-up's recorded anywhere, radio will tell you anything, then you've got this sort of photograph for the ears. Yeah. A sort of video of how you perceived that thing at that time and the sort of the honed and whittled version of the story of it that you'd tell. It is a gift, isn't it? You've got these things. I thought even things like my son's six now and then... You know, the way that kids sort of naturally say things wrong, things like that, you know... Any comedy I get out of him, and that perhaps is me justifying being able to <laughs> mine him for material, it's all just photographs for the ears. It's all just a way of holding on to memories and marking a little moment in time, perhaps. And you've done loads of podcasts. Yeah. Again, you've got that whole audio history. It's a great thing. Thank you. Yeah, I love doing it. I love doing that. And some of my favourite podcasts have been actually with family members and stuff. I did one. I'm so glad I did one with my nana. Uh-huh. Um before she started to really lose her marbles. Stuff like that, you know, anything, yeah. And actually, my family all loved it to bits, but even then they were like, a lot of the things she said absolutely never happened. And yes, and I was like, okay, fair enough. But yeah. nobody cared um, because there's just a conversation on tape. No one cared what it was about for an hour. And why not? Why not write your own history? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, no, I wish I'd done this with... Oh, wow. What a brilliant yeah. idea to have done it with my parents, both gone. Ah, there we are. Yeah. Well, okay, that euphoria of yeah. the wonderful, exciting rush of having given birth and the time after it goes into the time capsule to your second item. Thanks. Lovely. Let's move on. Okie dokie, it's time for the obligatory ad break. But have no fear, like the proverbial bad penny, we will return. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back. Okay, let's return to my time capsule and the lovely Jess Foster Q to discover what else she would like to put in her time capsule. Item number three is going to be, it's inspired, it's perhaps a bit more basic bitch, if I'm allowed to use that sort of language. You can use any language you like. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) This doesn't feel as deep and philosophical. This isn't as classy a thing for your time capsule. It's inspired by a wonderful article I read, I think in the Birmingham News this week, by a young journalist who is from Birmingham called Kirsty Bosley, who had um, saved up her own money and gone on her own just so that she'd gone once in her life to a Michelin-starred restaurant. She went to Adam's and she wrote about it in the most beautiful, like, honestly, it's gorgeous. I, <laughs> It's on my Twitter somewhere. It's just lovely. She's just like, basically, oh, my God, it's really delicious. And then it really, really reminded me of, and what I would like to put in third into the capsule is mm. the first ever time, and it's not something I do frequently, I want to keep it, as my son would say, as a treaty thing to do. Yeah. But the first ever time I went to a fancy restaurant, I was, uh, I can't remember if I was a student or in the mm. rogue years after graduating, where I wasn't sure what I was doing. I would never have thought to do it. My friend Rachel, nicknamed Archangel, said, let's save up and go to the Ivy. It was just such a fancy thing to do. At the time, there was a three-month waiting list. Mm-hmm. It was just one of the fanciest experiences of my life. I felt like I was... It felt like an acting job. It felt like I was getting to act for an evening in the life of someone a lot more successful and snazzy than me. And we loved it. We were confident in the sense that we didn't care that we stood out. Mm-hmm. Even our best dress was underdressed for in there at the time. <laughs> um, I'd never been offered a gin and tonic before you even sit at the table. Excuse me? That was snazzy. <laughs> the fact that the waiting staff seemed to sort of be there, but not even be there. They Mm. had these weird scrapers to get your crumbs off the table. And much like in Kirsty's article, I think both of us were like very uncouth and loud about how bloody delicious everything was. Mm. We chose the wackiest things we'd never tried. Steak tartare I'd never tried. We had that. (laughs) And we just, you know, everyone in there sort of quietly clinking and we were going, oh, this is so nice. Mm." (laughs) And I loved it. I loved it. Yes, particularly full of people who are all pretending that it's every day. Yes, quite stuffy. Any famous people there? Not that I recognise. There's a story, isn't there, that apparently um, Simon Pegg went and sat near to Margaret Thatcher a long time ago, and Mm -hmm. when she went to the toilet, he stole her napkin. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that he could have that as a souvenir. <laughs> That's one of my favourite pre-celebrity for him, spotting. He didn't just spit in her wine. No, you'd think, you know. Yeah. Opportunity missed, Simon. <laughs> um, yeah, really fun. I've been to the Ivy. Actually, I was taken to the Ivy. I was told you have to go because I hadn't been. Oh. And we sat at a table and sitting at the other table next to us was John McCreerick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, with the side horse race commentator, yeah. Does a tic-tac stuff, yes. Yeah. He was sitting there with his wife and they were both sitting on the same side of the table so that they could look at the entrance to see who came in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That yep. sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, what a weapon. I did go back as a grown-up, and um, and it got a lot more relaxed. And now they you, now there are offshoots everywhere, aren't they? Called yeah. the Ivy Cafe, and so I think it's maybe not quite the pièce de résistance that it once was. No, I don't think it's quite Michelin, days. is it? No, no. But also these, I remember going back and thinking, I can't tell if it's them or me. I can't tell uh. if I now, you know. And I think that's why I wanted to stick this first time in mm. because. How hard to recreate the magic. I feel as if we're slightly going to shift into doing hoovering. Yes, let's not go into the food. Yes, but I did a tour of Australia when I was in my mid-twenties, about 25. We toured around Australia and it was very successful and we had lots and lots of podiums and lots of spare cash. So we yes. ate at all these extraordinary restaurants, nearly all mm. of them being Australia seafood restaurants. And I turned up there with the notion in my head that I didn't really like seafood. So I made the mistake of constantly ordering a steak. And the steaks were fabulous. But I now look back on it and think, you idiot. Mm. You know, and the first time you experience these things, the effect of it is so much more powerful than as you get used to it. Because then, in fact, you can slightly see flaws in it. You go, mm, yeah. the foie gras wasn't the best. <laughs> it's also perhaps a bit of a reminder you can always... We are all capable of finding new things we can have done all these things but you can mm. still keep changing um and there still will be new experiences and if you're adventurous in the food you're prepared to try that's one way of really getting quite an on the nose hit of having a new experience yeah. and we're so lucky now we've got access to so much extraordinary food from all around the world but mm. yeah, i remember going to an amazing restaurant and I thought of all the international cuisines I've tried, I've definitely tried lots of different types of Chinese food, I thought. And I'd, I'd been to China and eaten, obviously, there adventurously. Um, and then got taken to a restaurant called A Wong in um, West London. That blew my mind. One of the courses made my mouth vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> it was a type of chilli or pepper ch and chilli combination. It wasn't unpleasant. It was extraordinary. Mm. But it felt like a tiny shaking and they warned you that it would happen. Amazing. Wow. That was new. That was new. And you go, okay, there must be more new things. There's going to be, there's potentially infinitely new things to experience. Yeah. If you keep yourself open to it. Well, that is the point though, isn't it? I do know yeah. a number of people who make the excuse that they, I don't like that sort of thing. You know? mm. And you say, well, no, you've just not experienced it. They will say, well, it's just posh stuff, you know, I don't like, it's all fancy. Yeah. And, and yeah. you go, well, it's not really, because actually... A lot of people, when they cook for themselves, this is the way they cook. They cook really beautiful food. Yeah, art. Incredible. I mean, it's why it costs so much, yeah. of course, because actually it does of take course. a lot of effort and a lot of time. I mean, there's times, different times of different things. I mean, we're really moving into hoovering territory here. But I think <laughs> um, there is so much to be said for adventure and diversity in your eating. 
we now know, I think, as well, scientifically, it's really good for you to have a really diverse amount of variety in the things that you eat. Mm. But also there is so much comfort in knowing what's coming and there's yeah. nothing wrong with having... Egg and chips. Oh, egg and chips, good old egg and chips. There's also, you've got to feed your soul and your your brains and your feelings as well. Yeah. Balance in everything, balance in all things. Absolutely. Well, we won't go to the ivory every night, <laughs> like some people do. Yeah, John McCrory. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, absolutely. I do know people, though, who've rung up the Ivy and said, any chance of a tech? And they go, no, no, sir. No. And then they rung up five minutes later. I had a friend who rang up and said, uh, hello, um, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow's agent. Is there a possibility of her having a table this evening? And they said, yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, God! Yeah. And then when they turned yeah. up, they said, we're Gwyneth Paltrow's party. I'm afraid she's not with us tonight. She couldn't make it. But, uh, and they went, oh, that's fine, sir. Come in. So that's the way to get into Lovely. the ivy. Say yeah. you know, Gwen. Yeah. Noted. OK, we're going to put you going into the ivy, into the time capsule. Thank you. So we've got one more, haven't we? One more positive one. Yeah. I feel like I've got a feeling every time, so I'm going to give you an object oh. to represent another feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trick. Um, it's a dartboard. I've got a dartboard that I won on a quiz show on telly. Big prizes then, massive prizes. Massive. Unbelievable. Massive, yeah. Because it represents the feeling of getting something you wanted that you've worked for that you know you deserve. And I think it's quite a unique thing. And it's taken me until really recently in my career to realise that my absolute favourite moment in my job Mm. is the call to say you've got the job. Uh, yes. And there might be something bad, you know, not bad's the wrong word. I just think it's fascinating that I prefer that, if I'm honest, to even doing the job and certainly to watching the finished job. Oh, yeah. Because there's all sorts of anxiety, expectation, etc. It becomes so much more complicated past that point. And as a result, I think I've everybody's different but I know a lot of people who when they get told you're a pencil for a job which means you might have it but you also very much might not Mm -hmm. if you get told heavy pencil you mean you're down to the last one or two I've got so many friends who are like no not allowed to be happy yet not allowed to be happy yet not allowed to be happy until it's in the bag Mm -hmm. whereas I have learnt I have to get giddy I have to allow myself because my body wants to get really happy (laughs) about the job from the pencil. And I have to let myself, because otherwise being slowly drip fed the news means that if you don't get it, you're going to be sad anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you do get it, you're not going to get that woohoo moment. You're just going to get relief, which isn't as good. So I think I allow myself the woohoo moment, even off the heavy pencil these days, which I think is quite rogue. You know, I think it is a bit dangerous. It's that moment. It's that you've got the job moment. The job's yours. Because I think it's better than doing the job. (laughs) I think you're right. If you could just say, good, okay, well, look, could they just assume I can do it and get someone else to actually do the job? Yeah, perfect. Absolutely, yeah. I'll send my body in. And I'll leave my mind here. Mm. By a pool in Corfu, I think, probably. Yes, that's where I'm leaving it. (laughs) Yeah. I have had some, um, well, you see, I can't take that risk. I've had too many heavy, heavy pencils where almost they're saying, look, you've got this. We just need to sort out a few details. And then, you know, no, they've changed their mind. Yeah. And either for really great jobs or ridiculous money. 
Yeah, every time. Every time it's something that would absolutely change your world, isn't it? Where they dangle it at you at the very last moment. Or it's the jobs where they say, look, we've written this for you. This is yours. We just need something on tape. (laughs) (laughs) And then you don't get it. No. Or or do you know what I mean? It's like the other way around where you're like, you're doing it as a favour to a friend. (laughs) You know, something like that. Like, look, can you please, do you mind just popping something on tape quickly for us? And then you're like, no, they didn't get it. No. I've had the phone call where people have said, we really loved your audition. Uh, Do you know any other actors who are like you? (laughs) Isn't that terrible? It's amazing. There's a great story. Um, There was an actor who saw that a casting call had gone out for a really well-paid advert, I think like 80 grand. Mm. And it had said, we're looking for people like, and it was her. Oh, no. And so she just, she got her agent, she was like, can you fucking ring them? Because I'll just do it. I, I'll do that. It's in the money. And then, then she did it. Oh, great. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. It's like, why are you rootling around for... Just ask the person. If you've got that much dosh, you twit. Yeah. Ask the person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Come a call. I have a number of times been asked to... Which I think is unfair. I've been asked to do voiceovers in the style of someone. Can you do it more like Stephen Fry? You think so? I can, actually, but I really don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be your budget, Stephen Fry. No. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, oh, God, you've got the job. OK, that's Thank it. You. you can open the time capsule and a little voice will say, oh, Jess, you got the job. Yes. Yes. What a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. OK, so let's move on to the last thing, which is something you want to get rid of. Oh, God, I've chosen something really embarrassing. <laughs> Well done. For me, it might not sound that embarrassing, but it showed a catastrophic lack of integrity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with what I talk about a lot in my work. I talk about my enlightenment and hatred for the diet industry. Mm -hmm. I've had a massive re-education and I feel so strongly about it. It's my religion. However, a long time ago, not not long enough ago, my God, I can't remember when. What I want to put in the time capsule is a thing I never want to do again and would wish had never happened, Mm -hmm. is that some time ago I did a voiceover advert for weight loss tablets because I couldn't resist the money. Mm. It was back when I was still dieting all the time and ironically, on the job, I witnessed a conversation that actually started for the first time ever for me to get the cogs whirring to think, oh, hang on, even the people making this stuff know it doesn't work. So in a way, it was an awful thing that led selfishly to for me to a moment of enlightenment but I did it and I did it it was more money than I'd ever been offered for anything before but it was still I knew in my heart of hearts I thought I bloody hope my voice isn't recognizable in this and I don't think it was because no one's ever brought it up and it would be like I you know it's the sort of thing now you think oh god I just need to start talking about the fact that I did that otherwise I'm going to get cancelled for it if Mm -hmm. I go into denial like I and rightly so like it was a disgusting thing to do at one point I got invited back I got two thousand pounds to go in genuinely and say now ten percent off at Boots oh god yeah fifteen seconds yeah said that three times and got to go home it's no excuse it was very good though. 
I mean, I'd take that first take. That was perfect. Thank you. Thanks. I knew when I was going in there, I, I didn't feel like I... I feel like all I'm doing is giving excuses. I, took, I did it for the money and I worried that my voiceover agent would drop me if they were like, oh, she's going to turn down stuff like this. But I did it in my heart and in my head. I spent the whole time I did it knowing this is a really shit thing mm. to be advertising. And on the job, I witnessed the producers asking the client who made these tablets, which were so expensive. Oh. I remember seeing them in boots and going, oh, they are now 10% off in boots. And looking at them and going, fuck me, these are like... I think people would have needed to have spent something like £80 a month on them. Oh, no. And they had these women in this advert, obviously appearing to have lost all this weight. And I remember the producer, quite a cheeky producer who I liked, saying to the client, we've been using these women in these adverts for ages now, for years. So is that because it's so expensive to do sort of more trials? Or could we go back and even talk to the same women if they're under contract? Like, we're talking about sort of freshening up the actual visuals of the ad. And the client was like, no, those women don't look like that anymore. Oh, no. Oh. And they and they were like, oh right. And he went, it's not. Uh, well, it's not the. Um, I don't think it's the product's fault. They couldn't stick to it. What having tablets instead of food oh. for three quarters of the day? Of course, they couldn't fucking stick to it. They're human beings. Yeah. Like it was so bizarre. I remember going, oh. and I could see in his eyes. I was like, you know, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a swizz. It's a terrible thing. I have absolutely. I feel really grotty about having contributed to that grotty grotty noise in the world yeah effectively so i'd love that i would i'd love to go back in time and make that have never happened no and me had said no to that even if that butterfly effect meant i lost the voiceover agent i don't care what the knock-on effects were i'd love to go back and erase that from my history because i feel gross and ashamed to have done that i mean you could have just said to them you know no stick it up your ass and they said no it works that way as well <laughs> Yeah. Well, look, it's a very difficult thing. I understand, Jess, all of us in this profession where we are basically selling ourselves. Mm. We will sell out one day in some way. Yeah. But there you are. It is the case that other people step in and do it and it gets done anyway. Yeah, no, someone will do it. I think it, but as you say, it's just no excuse. No. All we can do, I think, when you make a bad decision is, I think, put your hands up. And go, I made a shitty decision. That's right. I made a shitty decision back then and I'm sorry and I take responsibility. Mm. And as you very generously said, give the proceeds to charity. Oh, you didn't say that. (laughs) No, no, too late now. (laughs) Absolutely too late now. Yeah. Yeah. ring. I spent them all in the ivy. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Jess, how lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for telling me the things you're going to put into a time capsule. I'm going to seal it up and you will never have to worry about that advert again. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Jessica Fostigue. You can book those tickets for Edinburgh or her tour in the autumn now because, actually, now I'm just going to give you all the technical stuff about this podcast, which I'm sure you know already. But for those of you with nothing better to do with your lives, here they are. Please subscribe, rate, and maybe even review this podcast. But as my mum used to say, if you haven't got anything nice to say, then keep it to yourself, Michael. Thank you very much. I don't think the last bit applies to you, does it? Unless you're called Michael. Anyway, you can follow me or my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can contact us and let us know what you think of the podcast, and maybe even suggest a guest that you'd like us to try and persuade to be a future guest. We will try. 
The thing is, we're very friendly on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, so do get in touch. The theme tune, which is playing in the background, hear it? Yep. See if you can work out where the beats come. I've listened to this hundreds of times, so I still can't do it. Anyway, it was written by Pass the Peas Music and is available on Spotify. Please do tell your friends if you've enjoyed this podcast. We are lucky enough to have lots of very loyal followers, but the more the merrier, I say, and the more the moneyer, as John says. That's John Fenton Stevens, no relation. At least I'm assuming he's not related to you. He is, in fact, my son, and so we're sort of related. Well, there's definitely a bond, anyway, uh, which he uses to tie me to my chair, otherwise I'd keep getting up and going into the garden, and this thing would never get made. But to get to the point, John produced this cast-off production for Acast. So, if you've any complaints, it's him you need to contact. Thank you very much for listening, especially if you've been listening to this last bit. You really must get a life, you know. Still, I expect you want a reward for staying with me, don't you? Yeah, there's always a quid pro quo with you lot, isn't there? Or with some of you, it's several quid. Okay, how about this classic limerick? There was a young man from Devizes whose balls were of different sizes. The one that was small was of no use at all, but the other won several prizes. Bloody hell, you're easily pleased. Bye! deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.